Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome on a big day for congressional hearings at Newsbusters. We're watching the cable networks. They're giving us actually large chunks of live coverage of Merrick Garland in front of the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, that'll keep us busy. We'll be evaluating the news coverage of that uh, after it wraps up. Uh, DHS Secretary Mayorkas also on Capitol Hill today, so there's going to be a lot to look at. Um, on Newsbusters, we created a special category a few years ago called Fact Checking the Fact Checkers, which is a subset of what you could call our everyday work, reporting on the reporters, sometimes on the columnists. <laughs> All right. Everyone needs a check and a balance. Joining me today on the podcast here in the building, Joseph Vasquez, MRC Associate Editor for Business and Free Speech America. Welcome, Joseph. Good to be here, Tim. Also joining us today... Uh, at Mr. Vasquez, as I uh, please do this, uh, Matt Palumbo, author of a new book titled "Fact Checking the Fact Checkers: How the Left Hijacked and Weaponized the Fact Checking Industry." Now, before we get started, I want to disclose up front: Joseph here is listed in the book's acknowledgments for uh, sending in fun tips. Thanks for that, uh, Palumbo. I should also. I should also disclose that Mr. Vasquez showed me a copy of this book, and then I rushed out to buy my own copy. It is for, Fantastic for, book. for nerds. It's a good thing. Maybe not everybody is nerdy as we are, but we are super nerds. All right, Matt. Let me start with a silly but obvious question. You know, when we spotlight liberal bias, the first lame attempt at rebuttals is, yeah, but you guys are biased. How do you get to call out bias when you guys are biased? Now, when you attack the fact checkers, the first lame rebuttal is, why are you against fact checking? Why, why, why are you so hostile to facts? So do you get that? And if so, how do you recommend taking on that question? Uh, well, thanks for having me on. And, you know, the thing about words and politics is they don't really mean what words mean. So the word fact checker means opinion checker or sort of gatekeeper. And you notice in the book, I divide up the chapters by the realm of fact checking. So I have one chapter called batting for the Biden administration, where they will change their standards to accommodate Biden. I have a section called uh, fact checkers versus themselves, where I'll say I'll take basically identical statements where a Democrat says one and the Republican says another. And what do you know? The Republican's an idiot. And the Democrat really figured someone out, according to their words. And and there's thousands of examples like this. And, and you're right. It is a very nerdy book. It's just like a diving into how they get every possible thing wrong. And it's it's probably a um, definitely a harder read than the things I've previously written. But it was, I would say, the most therapeutic in that it's been at least a half decade of reading these fact checks and just pulling my hair out, asking myself, how does anyone believe any of this? So that's how the book came about. And I think that obviously the Republican half of the electorate is is onto this, right? I mean, Rasmussen did a poll in 2016 yep. and found that people weren't really trusting the fact checkers in the 2016 campaign, let alone now. Well, I call them fact butchers. Yeah. Like, Glenn Kessler. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, that. but you point out so many examples, Matt, of, you know, how many times that the so-called fact checkers end up bungling the facts. And sometimes it would be caught disagreeing with themselves, you know, just yeah. give them enough time. And next, thing you know, they contradict themselves, you know. So we already know that they can't be trustworthy. You, you laid out that case pretty well. But now we have this issue of big tech weaponizing fact checkers to censor conservative voices on social media so now there's power real power behind these fact checkers so 
you encompass this in your book, but explain to our listeners the dangers of big tech's incestuous relationship with these fact checkers. And where do you see this going? How dangerous is this apparatus? Well, this is the why it matters section, because you could ask so even non-political things like, OK, a fact checker, like they fact check everything from Bigfoot sightings to, you know, uh, political claims. What's the harm in that? And the reason is, as I said, yes, when they fact check like a Bigfoot sighting, they're good at that. But when it comes to the nuanced political differences, um, this is where all the biases really show up. And like you could take a statement like the wage gap and say, you know, is it true that men may or women make 80 cents on a woman's dollar? And your political bias can determine the answer. As we know, well, the implication is it's for the same work. Well, obviously, the answer then is no. But is it literally true? Well, then, yes. So they're going to say yes, but not give the explanation. So the, the reason this ties into social media is Facebook, formerly Twitter, they, at least ahead of the 2016 election and then 2020, would partner with fact-checking organizations. And that gives them this, this status of final arbiter of truth. And when they coordinate with the Biden administration or with anything, they can then do coordinated fact-checks. So they, one of the longest examples in the book is there's six months of negative economic growth last year. Everyone knows that's what a recession is. So Biden then, right ahead of that, like right before they released the data that everyone knew was going to show the second quarter of growth, they did this strategy where they're like, well, we have for 50 years said the definition is six months of negative growth, but that's not the official definition. So then all these fact checkers started writing pieces that were like, yeah, actually, technically speaking, it's not the case. And the reason why they did that was so that if any news publication reported U.S. economy falls into recession, that would get censored. You would get a fact check. So they weren't, you couldn't, you had to hedge your own reporting as what people formerly called a recession. And the, the, the creative thing I did in that chapter was I'd line up every fact checker who did this about face, denying it. And then I went through their prior work and went, let's see how they defined a recession if they mentioned that word in their prior work. And there was one guy who defended Biden, said it's not true a recession is six months of negative growth. You go back to Trump's first year in office, and Trump made the admittedly false claim that Obama, during Obama's last year, there was a recession. And what this, this same fact checker comes back with was, no, that's not true because there wasn't six months of negative growth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. like, and I'm not kidding. There was, I think, a half dozen cases where I found the exact same people would use both interchangeably. So, so that's, that's you know, the, the, what we're working with here. And, you know, they'll throw in some, like Facebook, of all their fact checkers, they threw in a daily caller fact checker. And I can't remember if it's you guys who covered this recently or someone else. Whoever the woman is the, in charge, or at least one of them is some crazy whack job liberal. So even within the right wing, Fact checkers, they're they're staffed by lunatics. So so, or I, I, I shouldn't overly generalize. I'm speaking at one person, but but even they've at least even infiltrated the right wing ones to some extent. Well, it's 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 funny. They loved they loved the original definition of the term recession before they hated it when they realized it wasn't politically advantageous to them. Really, it was it was it really boggled the mind because I was looking at that and I mean I understood what the definition of a recession was. I thought it was common common knowledge, but then all of a sudden I'm hearing no, it's this cabal. Of economic savants and, and God, some godforsaken and, and, room. And it is <laughs> yeah. technically true that, yes, the NBER is the end all, but it's, I looked through the history and I think it was every case except one where there was all, where there's two quarters of negative economic growth, they declared a recession. So, and, and I have, I can't remember the exact reason for it was, but there, there was something, there was an anomaly for the reason why. So, so it's, 
it, their best case scenario is a recession gets declared a year or two later, by which point it's over, so no one cares, which exactly. I assume is what they were trying to get at. Yeah, <laughs> it's retrospective. I mean, yeah, know. yeah, and there, there actually are a number of central banks um, that use the two quarters, the you know, the six month definition. So it is outside of our country is used as an official definition in some countries as well. Well, which I, is I, worth pointing out. I think policy issues are one of those areas where there's so much elasticity in how they define their terms. Um, and you're absolutely <laughs> right. I think the first thing that people who want to try to defend fact checkers is to say, you're not following them closely enough to watch them elastically redefine things based on how the Democrats want to do things. Now, when somebody says to me, you know, why are you against fact checkers? Well, part of it is their choice. They have an overwhelming bias in which things they decide to pick. Now, some things are really quite easy to fact check. For example, Joe Biden just claimed he was in Manhattan the day after 9-11. That was easy to disprove from the record of where he was on September 12th. And most of the fact checkers did get to that. But I don't know if you've seen this yet today, Matt, but PolitiFact just did this again, where President Biden claims he taught classes at the University of Pennsylvania, and which is false. And once again, as they did last year, PolitiFact tries to say consistently, no, that's half true. I mean, so... <laughs> They, they throw in a fact check of Biden here and there, but what there's this one phenomenon I noted in the book where they will do repeat fact checks of right-wing claims, but not left-wing. So if Trump said something that's not true, and then Jim Jordan repeated it, then Devin Nunes repeated it, theoretically, they might write three separate fact checks. If Biden tells a lie, but then he repeats it a thousand times, Harris repeats it, it gets checked once. And there is actually, uh, in the book, I proved they did it, but someone emailed them and said, like, hey, why don't you fact check this Kamala Harris claim? And their their excuse at the time was, well, someone else said it, so it would be redundant. And then they, I think they wrote back, like, well, why did you fact check Michelle Bachman 60 times, considering she's a... Like, just stuff like that, where they'll fact check people who are, are you know, in the present scene irrelevant, but then ignore... Like, there was, I think, a, a six-month period I had where they didn't fact check Kamala Harris once. Yeah. So they'll just... And they'll throw one in there so they can claim they did it, but it, it's it's almost entirely, and as you stated, they will sort of, they want to give the impression that Republicans are more dishonest, so they will fact-check claims from Republicans that maybe sound more likely to be false, or they'll just torture the data to make it false. Well, um, I, yeah, go ahead. So you have Glenn Kessler, who had that yeah. concept of the bottomless Pinocchio, mm -hmm. which he coined for Trump. But what you're saying is, yes, Biden has a series of these now, these bottomless Pinocchios. He's he's not calling that anymore. And the other reason why he's not doing that is let's both remember that the that they counted so-called false and misleading statements under Trump. They had a database. Yeah, they, they got to 20,000. And yeah, under Biden, they're like, no, we're not going to count. Yeah, yeah. After 100 days, they stopped the Biden one. And if you... Someone did a sample of the, the Washington Post list, and there are, again, repeats, but then there are also inside jokes that all of us would get. And there was one, I think it was in that list, and, and you, you'll remember it because it was funny. Uh, it was during Trump's like fast food uh, NBA summit during the government shutdown where he had McDonald's cater. And he made a, a remark that if you stacked up all the, the hamburgers, burgers. they would... They would reach a mile high and they 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 did the math and it turns out they wouldn't have really stacked them that cut at two inches supposedly it will not reach two a mile inches, high. yeah yeah it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have done it i kid you not as soon as i read that i threw yeah. my head back and i was dying 
bro. I mean, yep, it was, yeah, that's that's what we're dealing with. I here. mean, I mean, like, so. okay, yeah, this is this is this is this is the IQ that we're dealing with in the fact checker sphere. But and you know, it, it that's what that's what boggles my mind. You know, they're literally trying to make 1984 a reality, and I don't mean yeah. to make that as a, a you know say that as a cliche, but it, it's really it, it's really true. Like, they do they really believe themselves to be impartial? I mean, it or, feels as if they're assigned the conclusion because there are there's just so many fact checks where you read Associated Press, Politifact, Snopes, and it looks like they all copied and pasted the same article and mm -hmm. then rearranged like three things. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that literally, but it's as if they're all using the same source material. And I, it's as and we know that like I don't want to get conspiratorial, but we know talking points go out and we oh, see yeah. it every day on Twitter where like I'm going, why does Biden? And this famous soccer player have the same ideology, the same opinion, five minutes apart on this random obscure issue. And, 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 you know, like a lot of the people, like even some of, I'm just thinking of random examples, like even like David Hogg or some of those people, they absolutely license out their Twitter feeds to, to democratic PR firms and, and, you know, not their entire feed, but a few posts a day. And a lot of these famous people, and it's not just him, it's athletes and celebrities, et cetera, will let Democrats post through their feed. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's similar coordination with fact checkers where they all kind of know each other. And it's like, Hey, here's the claim we need to address. Here's our key points. I, I would I would assume that's I, I think it's obvious that they do look at each other and say, well, can we do that Biden wasn't in New York on September 12, 20, yeah. 2001? Well, the other guys did it. I mean, let's face it. Newsbusters will do that and say, you know, are we going to miss this article that everybody else is doing? Mm -hmm. You know, we want to do that, too. So but, yeah, I, I think it is a, a very fun question uh, if, if the Biden people are sending this stuff out and saying you guys should really fact check this. It does well, we look had, like it. We had that court case recently where it turned out they were trying to pressure social media to censor, and the, the at least it's a temporary hold on it. But yeah, we know what's happening. And then the Ministry of Truth, the uh, Disinformation Governance Board. I mean, you know, Nankowitz, Jankowitz, previously uh, worked with what was it, the Integrity Initiative, which was one of these like sort of CIA esque, uh, you know, uh, intel groups that that Deep would do state. dossiers on people <laughs> and try to destroy the credibility. But it's the same thing. It was just a state version of fact checking and. Uh, you know, it's a brave new world for sure. Well, that's well, that you know, that speaks to you know the point you know that answers directly my question about the dangers, the fact that government is now getting involved in this business as well, you know, pretty much acting like it has a monopoly on facts, you know, a monopoly on the truth, and now they're penalizing people for having opinions that counter the government narrative, which is just scary. So now we're not just dealing with fact checkers who just who live in their own world. Now we're dealing with the force of government, you know, yeah. in, in colluding. So I mean, you know the where do you see this going? Like, you know, like in the, in the near future? Well, they've sparked a backlash, and it is heartwarming. You go on PolitiFact's, like, Twitter feed, and all the comments are about how much PolitiFact sucks. So <laughs> people, are, people are waking up, and there have even been times where the community notes will now fact-check PolitiFact. So, so there is – it's tough because you see this dynamic where, like – I'll give an example. There are all, like, certain famous people that everyone hates, but they always fall upward – and I worry that's going to be the fact checking where we all know they're full of it, but the people in power know they have a use as a Trojan horse to censor us. So like Nina Jenkowitz has no credibility, but is getting promoted to all these positions after leaving government. And I'm wondering if it's going to be the same with fact checking where we don't take them seriously. But as long as Biden does, as long as the people that control the so-called swamp take them seriously, they're still going to censor us and no one's going to believe it. But it's still going to impact us. And, and you know, if you manage, I've managed uh, famous people's Facebook pages. And when you get a fact check on your page, 
it's like at least a month where your traffic is throttled pretty significantly. It's it's been like as much as fifty to ninety percent, uh, depending on how often you get back checked. And again, to your point of do they believe it? I I've you know sent some you know uh, well worded emails, and they usually remove them if you in any way hint at a legal threat. Just as I don't think this would hand, you know I'm not going to get into specifics, but I know Candace Owens has sued them before. And, and they reverse them immediately. So, so they won't even they they know they they won't defend their claims in court if it's even hinted at or threatened. Which goes to prove, like if if you have faith in yourself, you'd think they'd pony up the money to fight the lawsuit and show, no, we are legitimate, but obviously not. Now, there's a policy question that we just got on Sunday. Uh, Kristen Welker interviewed Trump on Meet the Press, and I was almost disappointed they didn't air the part according to the transcript where she insisted to Trump that there was quote unquote no evidence of Joe Biden's involvement in Hunter's influence peddling schemes. What, sadly, uh, craziness, what did appear on TV was this classic emotional rant, you know, that Trump can't say Democrats favor abortion until childbirth and sometimes afterwards. It's really one of the things I enjoy most when Trump says it because you know they're going to overreact. And she literally said that's not in anyone's platform. Well, first of all, it is. And and okay, they they always come back. They don't deny that it happens. They say, "Oh, it's only ten thousand cases a year." And I'm like, "Well, you <laughs> only ten thousand dead. What's the big I'm, deal?" You want to restrict three hundred million private firearms based on usually a dozen school shooting deaths in a year? So a figure that's almost a thousand times higher, I feel like, is relevant here. Um, and the first part with Biden's corruption, I mean, the biggest evidence is the shift in the narrative from, "No, he knew nothing," to. Okay, he might have been aware of it. Uh, okay, yes, he was in the business dealings, but it was to discuss the weather slash and or the love for his son. Yeah, well, <laughs> that alone is the proof. Yeah, and, moving the goalposts. Well, and they're they're not going back to the central issue here, which was in 2020, where they 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 throttled the New York Post for 17 days. They they couldn't post on their Twitter account, um, and what Biden was saying at that time was. And he said it repeatedly. Talk about a bottomless Pinocchio. I never discussed business with my son. And what the laptop obviously shows, and now the listeners are going, yeah, you say this all the time, Tim. Uh, <laughs> the laptop obviously shows he, he was talking to Hunter about, well, let's let's meet here. We'll go to Cafe Milano and people can take pictures with me. You know, it, it's obvious that the... There's proof there that he was involved. Yeah, so now they're trying to say, yeah, they're going to move the goalposts along with Biden and say, well, he's not in business with Hunter. Mm-hmm. Well, what he did, what he said was he never discussed it. They're not even holding him accountable for saying that. Yeah, the end goal is, the way this is going to end up is a year from now, it's going to change to, okay, listen, he did it and we all know about it. But so and so Republican did worse. That's gonna have to be how they spin it, and that's how it's gonna end up. And we were right all along, of course. And uh, but again, you know, with the, with the whole censorship of the post, I mean, that goes to show that the truth is more or less irrelevant. Um, we had what it was fifty Intel chiefs signed a letter saying it was Russian disinfo, and oh, yeah. turns out the source was uh, dude, trust me. You know, and now now the Department of Homeland Security is bringing these guys back in. Mm-hmm. Clapper and Brennan. I yep, mean, yeah. it's it's shameless. It's a new DGB, you know, pretty much. And you know, it, it really goes to show. And this actually, do I dare bring his name up? The 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 uh, 
behemoth uh, liberal big money donor behind all of this? Well, I, I was no gonna idea? I was gonna do it because <laughs> I, I was gonna mess with you, Matt, because an Amazon.com reviewer of your book complains. Yeah. Palumbo <laughs> calls the statement in an ad, George Soros does not pay protesters false. Oh, God, I hate this person. So, he, I know. He, sorry, sorry to interrupt. He, Go ahead. I hate them. Go ahead. He points out that Soros <laughs> does fund the organization to which they belong. There's no statement by Palumbo that Soros pays people to protest. Okay, first of all, I'll address it. Okay, the, the what I was pointing out in the book was they will take adjacent, they will fact check adjacent claims to debunk an overall truth. So there is a group called Black Lives Matter, but there are all these splinter groups that are effectively Black Lives Matter. They might call themselves Movement for Black Lives, uh, you know, Liberation and for whatever, but they're effectively BLM. The, the ideology is the same. They burn down cities. And what do you know? Soros has funded millions of dollars to these groups. So Candace Owens claimed that Soros funded Black Lives Matter to the tune of $30 million. And PolitiFact said it wasn't true. And my point was the overall claim actually is true. They, they What they should say is it's half true to mostly true. It's a group with the same ideology. So that was my point. And this reviewer's point was Palomo didn't prove they funded Black Lives Matter. Well, my point was I know they didn't. They funded a splinter group, so it would be misleading to say he has no involvement. And this person, they they review all my books, and every review is it starts like what is what was the header? It was something like more of the same. I think they wrote that every single book of mine. There's one review with that exact same <laughs> header, and the review is the exact same idiocy. There was something else they said too that was wrong that I can't remember. Um, well, we should. It, oh yeah, she was claiming that I was wrong to say that Hillary played a role in Spygate. Yes, and I, I have in detail in that section of the book all the money trail to refresh everyone's memories. So I don't, I don't know what they're getting at there. With, yeah. uh, with regards to your to the point about Soros and Black Lives Matter, it's like these yeah. fact checkers or reviewers have never heard of the term nuance. I mean, Correct. I mean, yeah. geez, yeah. I mean, you can't read between the, between the lines. It's just like the burger thing, you know, like, it's, yo, you could well, it's like when you see those protesters and they all have the signs that look like they're made by the same person. It's like PSL dot whatever. That may be 10 different splinter communist groups, but we would all refer to them as one group. So I, I don't know. They're just, it's kind of a technical it, nuance it, thing. Exactly. They're, 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 yeah. they're, they're, you know, they're, they're being needlessly specific and completely yeah. eliminating any possibility for nuance. Well, which is th just there was a spring to mind. There was one where they were trying to disprove that Antifa exists and their evidence was there's no like LLC or 501c3 yeah. for Antifa. <laughs> so. Well, speaking of Soros, yeah, we were just discussing this one from the spring, which was... Uh, Glenn Kessler made a big deal about how it was borderline anti-Semitic to say Soros funded Alvin Bragg. And then they yeah. played these games like, no, Soros gave money to this, this color for change. And then color for change yeah. gave it to Bragg. You know, <laughs> yep. that was it. Yeah, it was, it was one degree of separation. And then part of the rebuttal too was this group color of change. I guess there was some like me too case against Bragg. And they gave back half the money. So yeah. part of the rebuttal was like, well, actually, they gave back half. And I got to be honest, that, that makes it worse. Like, yeah, it, it is. If, if, if someone who committed, like, allegedly did that, and your response is not, I'm going to give away all the, the dirty money. It's, I'll give this alleged rapist half his money back. <laughs> which, which he wasn't accused of that. But, but in general, that was, I thought, with the Harvey Weinstein thing. Like, like it, it's either keep it or give it all back. But you can't, you know, do halvesies on it. It was a very weird scenario. And, and as you said, the, the, the rebuttal was... He didn't pay Bragg. He paid a guy who paid Bragg, which is the same thing. I mean, so it's it's like I think I heard you say it on Fox was uh, on Fox one time. I think it was Fox Business. Um, great segment, by the way. But you pointed out, I was like, oh yeah, it's just they just want you to look at this as just one gigantic coincidence. 
you know. Right, that's the thing. It, it, it's, it's And listen, the coincidences happen, but when there's like 400 of them in a row, I start going, okay, maybe it's something else going on here. <laughs> well, and in this case, it's that Soros has funded a whole series of prosecutors, all of whom are, are soft on crime. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the paper trail is there. Like, it, his organization, we know the name, and it, it, there's just no denying it. So, and you know, it's funny because like Soros's own database on OSF, it's, it's he's relatively transparent about where he spends his money. It's, That's like, it's the there. thing. We both looked at it and then we repeat <laughs> it and they go, what do you hate Jews? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm reading what I'm, I'm, sourcing, I'm sourcing George Soros. What do you edit me for? Yeah, exactly. You know, so I mean, like, so, you know, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take I'm going to go. I had to go down this rabbit hole even further because, you know, you're you're de facto my colleague in Soros research. Uh, but uh specifically Soros's interest in this fact-checking thing, because we know that he funds the International Fact-Checking Network, yep. which, you know, which partners with a lot of these social media platforms. A lot of these fact-checkers get, get signed off, rubber-stamped by this big group. What is Soros's interest in fact-checking on social media platforms? Because I just came out with a report, I mean, as you saw yesterday, about Soros giving over $14 million to groups that are fighting disinformation. What's his stake in all this? What's he trying to do? Like, as, like with groups like the International Fact-Checking Network, and 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 censoring speech that's contrary to the left's narrative. What's his role in this? Yeah, he's definitely increasing his stake there, which show goes to show that it is effective. In fact, in Europe, there was one year where there were sixteen fact-checking groups, or I think in Eastern Europe, that were contracted with Facebook uh, to do fact-checking for them and those issues. And thirteen of them were funded by by Soros. Um, so it just goes, you know, it's a, he has the same you know goals as Pointer as as Politivacta Snopes. It's just a gatekeeper for the left and and. You know, it started as just, you know, hopefully people read these fact checks and, and take their word for it to we actually have the power to censor. And I guess, you know, the silver lining is that on Twitter, I don't think it's going to work anymore. Um, but on Facebook, it'll probably make a comeback ahead of the next election. I remember like and this was right before, you know, the COVID explosion happened, like in, in 2020, there was this fact checker called uh, Full Fact, which in February of 2020, I believe, came out with a fact check debunking the idea of of the virus originating from a lab or something like that. And, you know, this was before anyone even knew what the virus was. Oh, there were fact checks like in February, end yeah, of February. Exactly. I'm like, I don't, we don't even know what the virus what is. Debunking? Like, no one knows anything. Yeah. yeah. yeah so. And then I, I actually did a whole section on, on like how unprophetic fact checkers are and how there's literally never been a case where they've been ahead of the curve and like made a correct legal prediction or, or prediction in that re regard where, Every single one was against the lab leak simply because Trump proposed it. And in fact, I, it was to the point where I saw a 60 minute special arguing in favor of the lab leak. And the scientist's excuse for not figuring this out earlier was, well, Trump said it, so we didn't take it seriously. Like as if that wasn't an indictment of themselves. They didn't realize how bad that looked for them to admit that. But that literally was the reason why. Uh, and, and yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, when Glenn Kessler writes the, the fact check article that sort of turns this around, at least for the liberal media, where he goes, guys, I, I think this lab leak thing could be real. You know, it's, it's always fascinating. Like, guys, I think this laptop is authentic. Uh, and they always reach these conclusions after safely. Trump has been defeated, and now you know we we don't have this this remarkably bad uh, reflex knee jerk of saying, well, if Trump said it, it can't possibly be true. Now, we you talk a little bit about this when you with factcheck.org and and so on in the book about how uh, in 1992 this is Brooks Jackson was at CNN at the time, and and speaking of being badly prophetic, they were all jumping on 
uh, George H.W. Bush for saying, Bill Clinton will raise your taxes. And they all, CBS put on the screen, false. And it's like, you can't. <laughs> didn't, how did it not happen yet? Yeah. How, well, there, he, he, was, there was a year where PolitiFact's lie of the year was people who doubted Obama's claim that if you like your health care, you can keep it. And this was, again, before Obamacare took effect. And in one of the most amazing things ever, the next year, it became obvious that it wasn't true. So for PolitiFact's lie of the year, it was Obama's statement that if you like your plan, you can keep it. <laughs> so sequentially, one year, if you doubted it, if you're a liar, you're a liar. The next year, if you believe it, you're a liar. Right. So they can't even agree with themselves. It's just incredible stuff. And every time they do this. Yeah, I mean, so in 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 1992, they said Bill Clinton won't raise taxes. He got elected. <laughs> and in 1993, he enacted the largest tax hike in in history to that point so that that is part of it is it's all about why did you choose this particular matter and yeah it often feels very politically influenced that's exactly our problem and it looks like the political the, the fact checkers they see they also behave like they have some sort of crystal ball that no one else has i remember yeah. one one incident that you pointed out matt that i had written up um a while ago was when uh, was it Glenn Kessler went after Tom Cotton for suggesting that the Boston bomber or something like that would get a stimulus payment? A co a, a yes. Yeah. 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 Explain his, that. Explain his that. excuse was like, well, he probably won't, but maybe if he's eligible, he won't be able to navigate the bureaucracy of claiming it. And then, of course, a week later, he gets the check. You know, he, he gets the check. <laughs> it wasn't exactly a week later, but he got the check. And it's like one of those things where why can't you just wait? <laughs> they're like i'm not kidding in the book there was twenty thousand words of material i removed from the book because i was 95 percent sure and i just determined like statistically speaking one of these has to be wrong if i'm only 95 percent sure so i gotta kind of throw them all out just in case for my credibility and they guess i just assume that people forget or something i don't know what their strategy is i mean it's like it goes to that whole pre-bunking phenomenon or whatever yeah. like it's like before anything even happens before even they immediately get out in front of the narrative whether it be on COVID, whether it be on the boston bomber getting a stimulus payment i mean or what have you i mean it just goes to show how brazen how brazen they are and your book uh, is just a phenomenal expose into just the farce that is this fact-checking industry all right so let's let's wrap with this big question and you can jump in too joseph what do we expect we're going to get i mean more of the same but i mean maybe let's put some more meat on the bone what do we expect in the 2024 election cycle how these people are going to try to mangle this campaign well, I think we're going to see a return to like in the fact checkers. I'm kind of anecdotally going based off how often I get fact checked on Facebook, but it seems like the year before an election and then around the election is when it is the most intense. Um, and in fact, like I put it out in the book with PolitiFact. In 2016, whoever the Republican frontrunner was at the time would get fact-checked the most, like really yep. coincidentally, and, and all, all these cases like that. So I think we're just going to see their usual strategy of, a, a disproportionate fact-checking of the right. They're going to repeat fact-checking. They're going to use absurd criteria. And I I do hope we see more right-wing fact-checkers. You guys do an awesome job. as you know, And actually, you're probably the one that comes to mind most. It's just that the, the trick is going to be, how do we convince Facebook to give us the sort of power? And then what do we do when we disagree with the other fact-checkers? How do we duke that out? So um, I don't know. It, it's We'll have to see, I guess. But I think probably a repeat of the past two election cycles, unfortunately. I think you hit the nail right on the head. And, you know, um, you you cite a couple of things in here, you know, recent phenomenons um, that my department, MRC Free Speech America, points out, like secondhand censorship, the phenomenon 
that we determined was the number of times that big tech platforms kept information from users. And you cite one of the studies that we put out on there. Um, I think, you know, I think the one that you cited was regarded like was uh, 251 million times that uh, that big tech had kept information from users. Because when we look at someone who gets censored, it's not just them who get censored. It's also their followers who get censored from looking at the. Yeah. Yeah. So it throttles the page. And then so, yeah, they were calculating based on like if you share a link, how many people would you normally expect to get? Um, versus, um, you know, what, or, you know, versus what it got after being throttled. And, you know, I've managed like Bongino's page and people, and you can, you normally get tens to hundreds of thousands to hits. And then if they fact check you until you get it reversed, it can go down to a couple thousand. So it's very, um, it's not just the person who's getting censored. It's also the people that are following them. And now that number, Matt, you know, actually ballooned. We just came out with a report recently that showed that the actual number of secondhand censorship effect has gone up to over 880 million. Uh, now and you know so pretty much we're, we're reaching almost a billion people, which is close to like a, 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 or a billion times that big tech has, has kept information from users. And you know we have we actually came out with our uh, we actually been using our censortrack.org database, which has which documents individual cases of censorship and fact checking is obviously a big part of that. And now we're almost at six thousand cases of our staff just documenting this phenomenon. And now when we take all of this and put it into one big ball. And now with the explosion of artificial intelligence that these big tech platforms are now using, whether it be Google, whether it be, um, whether it be Meta, I mean, where do you see this going? Like, you know, now with this artificial intelligence technology taking root, the oh, man, it's, what do you it's, see? Uh, it's, it's tough. Is it, it's, in it's, it, it's infancy where chat GPT will be very, very silly. Um, but I, I do fear it will evolve to the point where it will kill us. So it's, it's, it's a, a, definitely a balancing act there. Um, there actually is, and I have in the book, they do want to sort of do AI fact-checking where they want to like pair fact-checks to post automatically. And I had a number of examples where that fails miserably. Um, so yeah, they did sort of a scary thought too. So uh, we had this thing going around yesterday with the mid-journey AI that we have fun playing around with. And they, somebody here, I don't know if it was Mr. Olahan, but they were putting in countries. So you put in the word Russia and you want a picture and it's this dark and gloomy <laughs> picture, you know? <laughs> you know, and then you put in like, I don't know what the other example was. Venezuela is all, or no, it was you're, Mexico. You're like Mexico was all happy and colorful. Yeah, they also did, a, we also did one of North Korea and it looked like a paradise. Like, yeah. And then when they did the United States, like an image of the United States, it was America burning or something like that. It, it was Weird. just like, okay, okay. It's, it, and these were, unbiased prompts that we you know that we use yeah you yeah. just you put well, the they, country all in. the people who run them you just look at their appearance and you're like you look like like a discord moderator like they're all like the blue haired <laughs> people so, yeah of course it's that way yes. uh, yeah yeah and, and it's terrifying you know just like when you think you know i mean google you know google you know is case in point you know that they came up with their their ai chatbot bard and we know like we at the media research center we've documented how they've suppressed campaign websites of republican candidates in hotly contested Senate races. I think it was in the 2022 midterms. And now with the explosion of its own AI technology, it controls over 90% of the search engine market. So these big tech behemoths are, are realizing, hey, you know, there's something to there's something to be gained by using these kind of artificial technology. Yeah, like you pointed out, it's in its infancy. But my gosh, I mean, it's... it's but yeah, it's, it's 20 years from now, it's going to be scary. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, well, little, yeah. all I know is that... Uh, well, I was going to throw this funny question at you. Uh, how many fact checks on PolitiFact of George Soros? So I, 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 if you search his name in the search bar, I mean, technically zero in that they never fact check. It, it, it's if there's anything about Soros that's negative, it's from the perspective of like 
oh, these right-wing lunatics said this. It's never like, you know, something that they can actually uh, validate. Um, so yeah, it, it's they, they play the role of gatekeeper. And as I pointed out in the book, they, they finance the Pointer Institute, which finances the the uh, International Fact-Checking Network and PolitiVact and all those groups. So Yeah, uh, we don't fact-check our donors. Right? <laughs> we don't fact-check our donors. We don't fact-check the people who pay our salaries. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I look, I, I did this the other day. I went back and looked at the Trump one. And Trump now has... His pants on fire count is 180. Uh, and Biden's pants on fire count is seven. Uh, he only has one pants on fire as president of the United States. And I and that so that to me, you know, this is the great thing about PolitiFact is you can actually go and look at their numbers and break them down and say, see, see, I mean, by their own count. You can see how dramatically biased they are. Um, Matt Palumbo is the author of Fact Checking the Fact Checkers, which what we've been discussing, but also the author of The Man Behind the Curtain, Inside the Secret Network of George Soros. As Joey said, Joey's our expert here at the Media Research Center on all things Soros. So Matt and uh, Joseph have that in common. Matt also wrote Dumb and Dumber, How Cuomo and de Blasio Ruined New York. The media thinks that's false because... They love New York. There's never anything wrong with New York. And debunk this shattering liberal lies and Spygate. That's a, that's a, that's quite a pile of books here, Matt. I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you publish enough to trigger the left for at least around 10 Yeah, years. for the next century. I'm good. <laughs> well, we appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, it, it's fun to discuss this nerdy subject together. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, God. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. So, if you want to come to, uh, if you want to come to see what we're doing on fact checking or George Soros, you come to Newsbusters once, twice, twenty-four times a day. Thanks for listening.